Back in 2015, I was invited to provide a keynote address to the New Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania Tri-State Consortium Opportunity Program's 13th Biennial Conference in Terrytown, New York. Just yesterday, I stumbled on a YouTube interview I gave with the consortium after my keynote. There are some interesting questions here, and I thought you might find it interesting as well. Today is November 14th, 2018. Welcome to the Educational Policy Institute Swale Letter. I'm Watson Scott Swale. There's a lot of research coming out, and when it comes to uh, counselors who are really in the uh, the, the, the front lines of student impact, they might not have the ability to tap into that data or at least use that for implementation's sake. What would be some of your suggestions for practitioners and, and those who are in the, in the front lines to do to leverage that information to better serve students? I think one of the biggest challenges for, for students is that they don't know enough about the careers available or their information isn't accurate on earnings or what it takes. I've so many examples of talking to kids in eighth grade or 10th grade and they wanna be a nurse, but they think it's seven years to go to, to nursing school, you know, so they don't go into nursing. Um, the information is poor and I think counselors have to find ways to get better information and, and better teaching aids to students to drill into them what careers are so that they can find out who they are and what their aptitudes are and then start researching the education on that. I, I just think that's pr probably one of the primary challenges because if you don't go into something that you like, guess what? You might not finish. And then you're back at the starting point. So I think the college counseling piece is just critically important to try and get uh, students, especially middle school, and high school tuned in to the possibilities of post-secondary education. So it sounds like you know counselors need to be more than just advisors but also educators in these in the implications of majors and their decisions, would you agree? Oh absolutely, uh, I think they have, they're a prominent piece of the puzzle for students especially the populations that we're often talking about, first generation, uh, low income, um, students of color. Uh, they need more support because they don't necessarily come from a, a community or a family that has that expertise. So I think it's real important to kind of open the shutters on what they can do. Because really, you can do, still in America, almost anything you want to do. You just have to be tuned into it and know the stepping stones to get there. What was some of the things that you think uh, need to shift in our posture? for education as it relates to students in an opportunity program mm -hmm. making opportunities happen? Well, the challenge, and there was a question in the Q&A, and it was a really valid question um, about educational opportunity. I do make the statement saying not everyone should go to college. Mm -hmm. uh, and you have to sort of break that statement uh, apart of what it means. And I always couch it very carefully, especially um, let's be real, uh, a white guy with three college degrees who's had great opportunities, created many of them, uh, but there was a foundation there that uh, made my life uh, uh, a little easier in some ways uh, than others, to be sure. Uh, 
I think everyone deserves to have an equal opportunity for a high quality education. I also think people should have the information and knowledge to pick the pathway that works for him or her. And that may or may not include college. I think we've gotten too much on the bandwagon that, uh, and I show the income uh, to higher degrees and it's all there, but it's skewed data to a certain point. Um, I think people have to determine what they will be happy doing. And it's not necessarily that we need more people with bachelor's degrees. We actually don't need more people with bachelor's degree. We'll need more people with healthcare backgrounds uh, in two-year and less than two-year certificates. And in some cases, none at all, but certain uh, badges or others. I think that's what's gonna be important in the future. And I think if we expand the way that people can get skill sets, I think it gives people more options. But still, I think everyone uh, in this country and uh, arguably all countries should have that choice to make about their future and then the barriers should be taken out of their way. And that's what government's for and that's what the rest of society's for. I wanted to kind of shift things in terms of, you know, the counselors working with students and families and prepping them for those that information and that is, and those expectations to how do we take this information that you provided that the Education Policy Institute provides and advocate to administrative level because they might not have the context and history that we have in, in how opportunity programs work and the efficacy of it. How do we advocate in a, at administrative level? I guess the bad answer to this is some of the ways that we've always done it, uh, sometimes through the national uh, organizations, the state organizations, the tri-state consortium, uh, getting pertinent up-to-date uh, information into the hands of uh, the decision makers so they understand the challenges and the solutions to a certain point. I did make the point uh, this morning that I would like to see these programs and others be part of the uh, systemic solution and as you said not just band-aid programs which are helpful but we need to really really improve these uh, school systems and and I've heard this said before and I've said it before too is uh, it would be wonderful if all of us in this business were out of a job uh, because that meant that uh, the schools were doing everything necessary to get students to the next level. That just clearly is not the case in many schools and school districts and until that is these programs are j just paramount in the lives of many students. But for that purpose we need these uh, programs to work uh, more hand-in-hand -hand with the in institutions and schools. And no, we're not going to figure out this in a, in a quick 10, 15 minute interview, but if you were to say, you know, the, the, the whole theme is you know, changing paradigms in higher education at the whole conference, what would be a good starting point to really, uh, what would that look like for systemic change for opportunity programs in terms of finding that solution? What would be a good starting point for them? Well, maybe retooling some of the programs, um, which is a challenging concept when some of them have been around for 60 uh, years to suggest retooling. Well, uh, they need to evolve with the time, and I'm not sure they all have. Um, I'm confident that the programs are, are doing good things. I'm not worried about that. But they have to do better things that, uh, that help students in, in maybe different ways. Uh, if that can happen, then they become even more important to school districts and to colleges and universities. Uh, so they have to evolve and perhaps push the system in some ways. You know, we talk about the counseling a lot. 
you know, it's, it's mind-boggling to me uh, that counseling isn't one of the number one things that high schools, if not middle schools, do. Uh, but in many areas we rely on these programs to provide what the school doesn't. Um, I don't, that doesn't compute with me why the schools aren't taking that over, other than funding issues, you know, yeah. beyond that. But it's just, it's, it's so important. Uh, so maybe over time that we can push at least the conversation of the importance of it. And you know what, if schools would take over that and these programs didn't have to do that anymore, that would be a good thing because then the programs could focus on the other gaps. So it's not a negative thing if that disappeared from opportunity programs. It would be a positive because it meant it's being fulfilled somewhere else and it can use our, our minute resources in more appropriate ways. So let me know, I'm just hearing you, let me know I'm hearing you correctly. You know, get closer relationships with high schools mm -hmm. to start the expectation, the options, information gathering earlier so that the time when it comes time for college they, those resources as that time could be shifted towards maybe the career aspects and educational goals. I, I think that's part of it. Um, and I imagine a lot of the directors out there will say, well, we can't get closer than we are. And that may be true. Um, but I think that's part of the job is, is just trying to ensure that those relationships are as strong as possible. Uh, and not just with principals and assistant principals mm -hmm. and superintendents, but others in the community as well and the policy makers and decision makers. I think it's just all critical to to get everything moving forward. That's our swale letter for November 14th, 2018. We welcome your thoughts and questions, so please visit www.theswaleletter.com and post your viewpoint. As always, please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. For the Educational Policy Institute, I'm Watson Scott Swale. Swale Letter is a production of the Educational Policy Institute. For more information, please visit www.educationalpolicy.org.